testimony. We thank you for your blessings in our lives. And Lord, we just thank you knowing that you are good and that you love us. And Lord, how much you love us and care for us each and every day. Lord, we just thank you for your provision and your strength and the ability to serve you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And uh, I think the Go Ye kids are going back. And so, and let's go to the book of James once again. And try to include in your outline those verses that we covered two weeks ago. Uh, did not have an actual outline for it, but uh, it is there tonight. And uh, James chapter 3. And uh, just take a moment uh, of review here. James chapter 3, and then we'll... Just dig right in. Uh, starts out in verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the condemnation. So, what we see here is uh, the fifth command. My brethren, be not many masters. And... Uh, I was just checking ahead here. We don't see uh, that next commandment until we get all the way down to, um, I believe, chapter 5 here. And uh, all of these things from chapter 3 to chapter 5 are going to be related to this issue uh, of being many masters. And the whole idea of being in charge of more things is you are responsible for more things. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, we ought to pray for our president. Uh, I was just uh, trying to get a weather report and heard John McCain on the radio eclipsing uh, that our president is either overwhelmed with everything that is going on or he has no idea what's going on. Now, when a United States senator, uh, who's actually more on Obama's side than he is on the right side of politics, is saying, our president is in trouble, you better believe this man is in trouble. Uh, I was in Starbucks the other day and it had a, a headline in the newspaper. It had his hand, head, a picture of Obama with his head in his hands, and the basic headline, though I couldn't give you the exact words, were basically, does this man have any idea what's going on? And that was New York Times. Um, what I'm trying to tell you is, Mr. Obama is finding out what it is to be many masters. Uh, you're in charge of everything when you're the president. And unless you do it right... Those same people that patted you on the back and told you how wonderful you were and, and explained to everybody that you were the smartest man in the room are going to be the same ones that are going to be telling people how dumb you are and how inept you are. And, and that's what we have going on right now. Uh, you'd better pray for this man. Uh, because regardless of what he knows or doesn't know, he's still in charge of the country. 
and the most powerful military in the world and the second largest nuclear arsenal in the history of mankind is all in his suitcase. Uh, You better pray for this guy. Now, most of us in this room are never going to have to worry about what Mr. President, our president is worried about right now. Uh, Though you may worry about all those things, nobody's going to come to you and ask you to do anything about it. Uh, It was like the man said about his marriage years ago. He said, my wife and I, we have a perfect working relationship. He says, I take care of all the big things. She takes care of all the little things. Well, well, how does that work? He says, well, uh, anything that has to do with world events, he said, that's a big thing. I take care of that. Anything that has to do with home events, that's a little thing. She takes care of that. So she takes care of the checkbook. She takes care of the shopping list. She takes care of all the decisions in the home. I worry about everything that's going on in the world at large, and my wife and I get along great. Uh, That may work for you, but that's not the foundation of a biblical marriage, might I put in there. But the simple truth is, most of us are in charge of as much or more than we can handle. And the Bible says that don't seek, don't try to be in charge of a lot of things. And, of course, this goes back, if you want a nice cross-reference here, uh, to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, uh, the verses about uh, removing the moat from your brother's eye while you got a beam sticking out of your own. Uh, the simple uh, truth is that it's so easy to tell everybody else what they ought to be doing and so hard to do what we ought to be doing. That's what James is talking about here when he says, Be not many masters. And then he goes on, We're going to offend people. And he's, and he goes, and he's moves now the transition to the first item that he is really going to speak about here, and that is the tongue. He says, Listen, you, uh, There are people out there that just want to be in charge. Uh, You know, how would you like to be Dr. Phil? Telling everybody how they ought to live. Uh, I'll tell you what, I I wouldn't want that job. Uh, In fact, last time I checked, Dr. Phil's got a few issues of his own that he needs to take care of. and I think I'm speaking in hyperbole there, over-exaggerating. He's got a lot of stuff to take care of in his own life. Uh, the craziest people I've ever met in my life are psychologists, psychiatrist-type people. And uh, let, let me tell you, the, James is not kidding here. Be not many masters. Because here's what happens. The issue is control. It says, If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. If you can control your speech, if you can control the things that you say, and by the way, do you have to open your mouth to say everything that you say? 
I mean, if you're a young man and you're looking to be married here, there's, there's something you need to understand. Nonverbal communication is utterly important. You need to learn that language. Because there are many things your wife will not say. But she will communicate. And if you miss it, you are in so much trouble, you will never get out. And uh, uh, ladies, I am not uh, uh, trying to say that as an insult. It's just the way things work. Now, ladies, will you agree with me? Okay, I saw some friendly yeses. Uh, I'm not trying to be mean or anything. It's just the way things are. You don't have to open your mouth. How many times have I caught one of my kids giving the old head roll or the eye roll when I give them something to do? I'll tell you what, if I catch that, uh, that communication gets addressed immediately because it's important. You know, we can control sometimes what we say, but we can't control what we communicate. We think we do. How many of you have ever thought, I'm having a rough day, but I'm hiding it so well? Has anybody ever thought that? Uh, come see me after church. Uh, we, we need to sign you up. It, it doesn't work. You cannot hide things. And that's where we're going here. And he, he, he goes and he gives the example. He says, listen, we put bits in the horse's mouth. We, we control the huge ship with just... Uh, a little helm, but the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. You know, you just think of the guy who, yeah, I know karate and I know this and I'll put you in your place and you just... The next thing he knows, he's sitting on his backside if he's able to sit, uh, because the guy he's talking to didn't spend near as much time talking as he did, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, executing proper moves to put another person in their place. Uh, that happens in real life, does it not? The tongue boasteth great things. I mean, if you want an example of this, how many remember old Saddam Hussein? Uh, former ruler of Iraq. This is going to be the mother of all battles. We are going to destroy the entire United States military and the war didn't last a hundred hours. And I think there's still junk over there left from that war all those years ago. Uh, the tongue boasteth great things. Your mouth will get you in all kinds of trouble. But you need to understand something. You can take a little cigarette butt and kick it out a car window and burn a hundred thousand acres of forest. It doesn't take a big fire to get something started. And I think I gave you the illustration of the Boxer Rebellion, if you'll remember that a few years ago. An entire war started with a couple drunken reporters in Denver 
who just had to do something with their time. They wanted something to print in the paper and started an entire war. Tens of thousands of lives, armies from all over the world entered the land of China to control this thing that was started by just a few drunken reporters. And so we go on to verse 6, and we'll start digging in here. And it describes the tongue. It says, the tongue is a fire. Now, what does fire do? Fire burns, does it not? Uh, do you realize there's more kinds of burns than you, can, than you really think about? How many of you have ever burned your finger with something hot? How many have ever burned, burned yourself with something cold? Do you know that dry ice will burn the skin right off your hand? Uh, you have to be very, very careful. How many of you have ever used dangerous chemicals and burned yourself with some type of acid or paint stripper? Stephen, I see his hand going up. You sit there, get out the wire brush and start flicking it all over the place and wonder why you're burning from head to toe. You know what? It, the tongue is a fire. Your tongue doesn't have to be made of fire to burn any more than uh, chemicals or dry ice or any of those other things. But the tongue burns things. And if we, rate, if we were to be honest here, there's not an adult sitting here in this room, there's not anyone old enough to understand language that hasn't been burned by someone else's tongue. And if the truth were known, there's not a one of us that hasn't burned someone else with ours. This is not a good thing. It says, the tongue is a fire. Then it makes another statement. The tongue is... A world of iniquity. Now you stop and you think about that. The tongue is a world of iniquity. Now, how many of you have traveled outside the United States? Explored the world a little bit in which we live? Has anyone here been all the way around the world? Uh, the Marshalls, several years ago, they started here in New York City, flew to California, and then to Hawaii, and then on to Australia and to Papua New Guinea to visit the wells when they were there. And then uh, they got back to Australia and got on a plane and went, continued on around and, and came to... Uh, Ivory Coast, where the Macs were, and stopped and spent uh, several days with them, and then on to England, and then back to the United States. But if uh, Brother Marshall were here and we were to ask him, did you see everything? You know what he would say? Absolutely not. We just saw little parts. We only stopped about four or five times. It was just the fact that our flights took us all the way around the globe. You see, the world is a big place. No single living human being, if you took your entire life and someone else paid for it, 
No single human being could explore every square foot of the globe on which we live. It's just not possible. It's too big. You know what James is telling us? He says, you can't explore. You can't find out. You could not map all the wrong, all the iniquity, all of the purposeful sin that your tongue is capable of. If you wanted to delve into that, you'd spend the rest of your life just trying to figure it out. And all you would know was a short list of wrong things that you could do. How many of you are encouraged by that thought? I mean, that's pretty discouraging, is it not? He says, your tongue is a world of iniquity. And he's not telling us that so we can be pleased with it or so that we'll investigate it. He is telling us that so that we'll realize how dangerous it is and stop. I'll tell you what, you take a bottle of acid... There's one thing that I want, and that's a good lid. Amen? Because I want to keep that dangerous substance sealed inside the bottle. Amen? Well, the tongue is a fire, just like a bottle of acid. And you know what? You could start dropping things into the bottle of acid to see what might happen. But that's not going to stop the acid from being destructive. In effect, if you drop the wrong thing in there, it's going to blow the bottle up and spread that acid all over the place and do great, great harm. He's telling us, listen, it is something huge. He says, so is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. I said, now the tongue defiles, is capable of defiling the entire body. Now, stop and think about this. Does the dirt come from the tongue? Do you have a separate brain inside your tongue that stores this whole world of iniquity? Uh, what did Jesus say? He said, out of the abundance of the, anybody know the next word? Heart. The mouth speaks. You see, that's why the tongue is a world of iniquity. It's connected. It's connected to something that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And, and this tongue can get you into so much trouble. And I'm sure that if you were to think of little things that uh, may have happened in your life, uh, there are people who have boasted certain things and then they were dared to prove their boast and then they went out and did things they never thought they would do just so they could keep face with their friends and, and things like this and uh, people often tease about things. That's why the Bible says fools make a mock of sin. Don't ever joke about sin. Because you'll probably find yourself in it before very long. It says it can defile the whole body. That wherever your tongue goes, the rest of you have just 
usually has to go with it in some case, unless something catastrophically wrong happens, uh, it's usually best to keep it attached. Amen? And uh, the Bible tells us here that it setteth on fire the course of nature. Now, when it talks about the course of nature, it's talking about the entire dwelling of mankind. It's talking about uh, not only the plants, the trees, the planet called Earth. It's talking about our society, uh, our, our entire way of life. How many wars have been started with the tongue? You know, uh, a former president of the United States, Teddy Roosevelt, used to, uh, one of his famous sayings was, speak softly and carry a big stick. Well, Adolf Hitler screamed insanely loud and swung a tree trunk. I mean, the man... If you've ever even heard little blips or something of his speaking, you say, this is the babbling of someone insane. And yet his screaming mesmerized and uh, armed an entire people group that's responsible for over a hundred million deaths. Stop and think about that. You know, they talk about six million Jews, and I am no means want to demean that number. But I think it was close to 60 million Germans before the whole thing was done, and 100 million Russians before World War II was over. Stop and think about those numbers. And he wrote it all down in a book in the 20s called Mein Kampf. And you can read what he said. Uh, William Shear, who wrote The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, put in the book very... He said, Adolf Hitler wrote everything that he was going to do. He wanted to annihilate every living human being between the Russian border and uh, the, uh, the Ural Mountains, uh, just the other side of Moscow there, so that the German people would have a place to live. He wrote that in his book. Don't you think if you read that, you would have at least enough sense to know that this is a madman and we need to do something about him, but nobody did. Let me tell you, there's a lot of madmen raving today in our world. You better pay attention to what they say because that tongue is capable of setting on fire the entire course of nature. And you know what it says? It says, and it is set on fire of hell. Now, does that mean men like Adolf Hitler actually... Uh, left their body and went down into the pits of hell and brought back a bucket of embers to scatter it across the world in which they live? No, uh, that's ridiculous. That could never happen. Well, what does James mean when he says set on fire of hell? Well, 
What word does the Bible use when it describes the fire of hell? It uses the word unquenchable. Does it not? Anytime in your King James Bible you see unquenchable fire, it's talking about hellfire. Do you know why we can't put out the fires of hate in the Middle East? Uh, because we have thousands of years of the use of the tongue setting on course, the course of nature on fire, and that fire is not going to be put out until the Prince of Peace rules from the City of Peace. That's how serious this thing is. And we need to understand what we're trying to do. I mean, we've got a bunch of well-meaning people who, if they would pay attention to what the Bible says, would understand that it's not the... How many remember the movie about the pig? Uh, not the Charlotte's Web. What, what was the other one called? Babe the Pig. That's right. Love Babe the Pig. All we have to do is sit down and talk and we'll work out all of our problems. I mean, babe did it. If a pig can do it, why can't we, right? You know why we can't do it? Because of the tongue. Because the the course of nature has been set on fire and that fire is not going out as long as there are human beings to keep it going. I mean, this is not uh, what you preach to depress people, to encourage them in the Lord. But we're going through the book of James. This is where we are. And, And this is knowledge that we need because I'll tell you what, it'll help us understand why there are certain problems that are just not being solved. And it'll help you not to waste your time by just sitting down and trying to talk everything out because you can't do it. Once it's been set on fire, only God can put it out. And so, we move on to verse 7. It gives us an example here. It says, listen, for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea. Does that let anything out? And by the way, James lived first century. And he says, every beast, bears, tigers, lions, every bird, that guess what? They had falconry back then where you'd take those vicious, dangerous hawks and send them after prey and they would bring them back and land on your arm uh, without hurting you or trying to kill you. They've been tamed. Serpents. How many of you remember the, the video clip of the old guy with the turban on his head playing his little flute and the cobra coming up out of the, uh, the bin? Well, let me tell you, in the old days, most, uh, some of them had fangs, but if any of those snake charmers had any brains at all, they pulled the fangs out before they charmed the snake. Uh, but they have been charmed and tamed, and it said things in the sea. You know, I think about that little person that stands up there with the fish and that great giant killer whale jumps out and grabs it out of their hand. Not for me, all right? 
but let me tell you, they've been tamed. And James said, listen, they tamed things back then, thousand years, two thousand years before we were around. But what does he say? But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You know, there are just certain things. Humility. If you think you have it, you just lost it. True holiness. If you realize and say, boy, I'm living a holy life, you just messed everything up by allowing pride to enter in, did you not? And control of the tongue. Same thing. You think you control your tongue. I think I control my tongue. I think I uh, do this. The Bible says no man can tame it. If it's going to be tamed, who's going to do it? God is. Not you. You know, it's like the little boy that they put on the fire hose. He can handle the fire hose perfectly until someone turns the water on. And if he is not smart enough to let go, that hose will pick him right up off the floor, off the ground, and slam him back until he's dead. Fire hoses are very dangerous things. You've got to know what you're doing. They're easy to control as long as there's no water in them. You know what? It's easy to control your tongue when you're asleep most of the time. Uh, I took care of, worked in a nursing home and when I was in Bible college and Alzheimer's was a new disease. They had just given it a name and were just writing uh, the preliminary uh, description of all of the uh, symptoms and what it caused. But I remember taking care of a man in a nursing home, and uh, his name was actually Mr. Epps. And he would sit there in his room. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Repeating the Lord's Prayer. And then somewhere about a half to a third of the way through the Lord's Prayer, he would break off into the most profane line of cursing that you had ever heard in your life. You know what? This guy had gone to church and repeated the Lord's Prayer all his life. And when he wasn't in church, said an awful lot of bad things to an awful lot of people because it was all coming back out. You, you think you have it under control, but there'll come a time when you can't. Let's, let's watch what we're doing. Let's pray. Let's take the warning that is here. He said, it is an unruly evil. Meaning that no matter what you do, it's going to come back another way. You're not going to be able to control it. It is full of deadly poison. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever dealt with real poisons... Uh, 
you got to be careful. I mean, even uh, when we were first in the building, we tried to get some bug spray in here to keep all the other inhabitants that had crawled in the building while it was not being used, taken care of. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, it was nerve-wracking mixing the poison and trying to do that. And finally we got to the point to where it really wasn't working because you can't buy the best stuff. Uh, that You have to have a license to handle that because they don't want people just messing around with poison. And uh, so we hired an exterminator, and guess what? He came in and got rid of all the little bugaboos and the mice and all the things that we're trying to get in here. But I'll tell you what, you better be careful with poison. It's dangerous. And... It doesn't take much of a spill to do a lot of damage. The Bible says that's what our tongue is like. And then he gives this example. It says, Therewith bless we God the Father, God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain yield salt both so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. The modern day word for this is duplicity. That means two different directions. And um, I gave you the example of Mr. Epps who would quote the Lord's Prayer and then break off into profanity. Why? Because he had filled his life full of profanity. It's what, what goes in comes out. And the Bible says... That as much as we bless God, we have no right to curse men. When Brother Jet was here with the MRI, he said, you know, if you got somebody, you got a couple there and they just really are having at it and they, they can't love each other and they tell you this. And he said, here's where I go. He says, first of all, he says, you tell me you can't love uh, uh, your your wife that you have... Or, or your husband, as the case may be. He said, but let me ask you a question. Do you love your friends? Well, of course I love my friends. The Bible says to. Uh, well, are you supposed to love your enemies? Didn't Jesus tell you to love your enemies? Well, he did. Well, then why can't you love your wife? She's got to be either your wife, your friend, or your enemy. Maybe all three. I don't know. Uh, but... Uh, there is a biblical command to love there somewhere. And you can't get away from it. You know, sometimes it's easy, and I'll, I'll catch myself, and, and I imagine you will too, when somebody does some heinous crime, and, and they finally get caught, and you say, oh, praise the Lord, they're going to get theirs. 
You know what? The Bible says that's not, that ought not be where we go. We, we shouldn't be cursing men. We should be blessing God. And you know what? God is just. And He'll take care of that thing. You let God take care of it. Don't you try. You know, the, the problems of this world are not going to be solved by you. In fact, if we get this little tongue involved in the problem, what are we doing? We're just uncorking another bottle of poison to put on the shelf to get spilled and cause problems. I always get nervous when somebody... Well, let me put my two cents in. Uh, keep it. You're going to need it. Amen? Uh, don't, don't give me your two cents. We, we need to be careful what we do with this thing. We offend. The Bible says offenses are going to come. But it's a really bad thing when they do. And we cannot tame it. We cannot control it. You're like the little eight-year-old that finally got the keys to the truck out of the house when nobody knew it and got the vehicle started and backed out of the driveway. Hey, this is cool. Until you get in the face of oncoming traffic, then it's not so cool anymore. You know why? Because you can't control it. You only think you can. And we need to understand that there, there are just certain things. Uh, if I can just throw in my own example and we'll be done. Electricity is a very dangerous thing. I'm glad for electricity until the Con Ed bill comes. Uh, but I'm glad we can cool the place. And in a few months, we'll be heating the place. And, and the, put, turn on the lights and all the things that electricity is good for. But you know what? Electricity is best left inside the box and inside the wires. Amen? And so many things are best when it deals with the tongue. So much of it is best left inside. That's what James is telling us. You know what? If you don't promote yourself, you're not going to be many masters. If you don't take time to try to tell other people how to do it right, guess what? Uh, You're not going to be many masters. Amen? This problem is connected to that one. This is the major overriding command. And and James is going to connect a lot of things to it here. And in verse 13, we're going to start with the difference between true wisdom and false wisdom. And uh, between godly wisdom and earthly wisdom. And I'll tell you, there's an awful lot of that going on today. And we're going to deal with the issue of prayer. And, and, And true biblical prayer that gets answered and... False, ridiculous prayers that only make God angry at us. James is going to deal with all of these things. And it's all really under this thought of be not many masters. And I'll tell you, we need to, we need to pray about that. We need to pray. We need to guard. 
if we were half as careful with our tongue as we would be a bottle of sulfuric acid, you know what? A lot less things would get burned. Amen? That's what James is saying. And we don't have control over that. We've got to constantly give that control to the only person who can do it, and that is God. We've got to watch. It's easy to sit in judgment of other people. It's easy to see all the problems. It's easy to see how ridiculous people can be. But you know what the Bible says? Let's not be a source of blessing to God and cursing toward other men. Let's be careful. Even if you're right, you don't have sin. And if we would only get so full of blessing God, there wouldn't be room for us to do all the cursing of men. Let's, let's pray about that and seek that in our lives. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we ask that you would work in our hearts and lives. Lord, that you would help us to see how dangerous, how deadly this little thing called the tongue is. And Lord, how it's connected to this idea of being in charge and having control of many things. And Lord, that we would understand that we'll never have control of this thing. That it is best left under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that we would take warning and that you would help us to be your servants. Take just a moment before we say amen, and if you need to spend a few moments at the altar, right there in your seat, the altar's open, let's just pray, and then we'll get into our prayer time tonight.